You can be seated. We thank you, Father, for this time that you've given us. We pray, Lord, that you would give us keen insight into your word and help us, Lord, to be both encouraged and challenged to be better members of church, to be better examples, to be ministers for your cause. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we're going to be looking and talking around the table about ministry, or as one definition said, partnering with fellow believers. Partnering with fellow believers. Now, if you go to a baseball game or a football game, there are coaches and players on the field that all have one goal, and it is to defeat the other team, right? And then there are people in the stands who really don't have much of a bearing on the outcome of the contest, although sometimes when we're there, we think we do, right? They contribute little to the outcome, but they do have strong opinions about what goes on. You know, some things they like, some things they don't like. Sometimes they want to yell at the umpire or yell at a move a coach or player makes. Churches are filled with people who approach church work in the same way as people in the stands. Content to let a few do most of the work. You've been in churches like that, right? They sit back they cheer others on or they criticize others or sometimes they just pass the time. God's word makes clear that life in the church is not to be like a spectator sport. We are to be active participants in ministry. God designed each of us to be a key player and his game plan for the church. When we were given salvation, when we were given that package of grace, included in that was a call to ministry, to be involved in meeting needs of other people. And we are all to be involved in the ministry of the church to which we belong. And the Lord will equip us to do that. I remember one, one time a lady called the church, and she said, I am looking for a church home. What kind of church are you? The pastor who took that call said, well, we are a Reformed Baptist church who seeks to follow the Word of God and center everything on Christ. And she said, well, I think I'm looking for a church where I can be blessed. And the pastor that was talking to her said, well, that's okay, but we're looking for people who can bless others. And she said, well, let me explain it differently. I'm looking for a place where I can be fed. And the pastor said, well, that's okay, but we're looking for people who can feed others and then get their blessings that way. Another time, uh, I was walking around the church one time, and I was just asking people, what is ministry? And most of the time I would get answers something like this. 
oh, well, that's what you do because you're a pastor. And I had to explain to them, before I became a pastor, I was a minister. I became a minister when I became a Christian. And I became a pastor later on. So I am involved in ministry. I am a minister not because I'm a pastor, but because I am a Christian. It is the work that Christians do, ministry. One of the five purposes of the church. The purpose of ministry is twofold. One is to glorify God, and the other is to edify others or serve others. And for a member to be non-serving, non-ministering, is not a biblical concept. At River Bend, we're not interested in filling positions with people who come into the church, but we are excited to be able to help people find their role in ministry. When that happens, God is blessed, the church is blessed, and the member is blessed as well. So tonight, during our time around the table, let's look at some Bible passages that are related to ministry. There's some sheets on the table that will help you. Uh, do we have a table leader for each table? Is there any table that does not have a leader? Okay, why don't you all consolidate and go to one that does? There are four seats right behind you, okay? Any, anybody else? Why don't you guys consolidate over there at 17, move up to 18? Okay? Anybody else? And let's take a few minutes and let's go through the partnering with fellow believers questions. There are nine questions. And after we've had some time to go through those, then we'll discuss them uh, together as a group. So let's do that now. Okay. If you haven't finished, you can catch up as we go, all right? We'll, uh, we'll just take a f couple of minutes here on each question and see what you uncovered. Uh, besides worship, number one, what else does church membership involve according to those passages? Anybody? Breaking bread with one another? Sorry, I didn't hear that. Serving. Serving. Encouraging. All right. Motivation. Opportunities to minister, especially to fellow members, one of the passages said. Okay, number two. Did you brainstorm some of the each others or the one another's? There are, uh, I looked this up, there are 59 of those. So if you didn't have 59, you flunk. Okay? And 16 of those 59 said love one another. So some of them overlap. But, uh, Name just a few of them. Okay. Okay. 
Okay? All right. There are a bunch. How do we know that these are for people in the church and not just for general society? Pardon? Because that's right, because most of these are from Paul, and he wrote to churches most of the time. There are also some of these that say how not to treat people. Do not lie to one another. Do not slander one another. Do not grumble, so forth. Do not be selfish. So there are a lot of those. And uh, trust, good. We are partners in ministry, so we are members of one another. Think about that. We are members of one another. That's why these work for us. Okay, number three. Comparing these two passages, which I've heard people debate over, you know, that they're different. So what do you think? <laughs> okay. Yes, sir? Yeah, one supports the other. They're in context, they go together. Jesus uses the leaders of the church to build up the church, but ultimately he's the one doing it. All right, number four. How can we mandate the, uh, the mandate to the Levites? How can that apply to the church today? And how does it relate to Matthew 25 passage? Anybody? Yes. And each of us is a priest unto the Lord. Okay, so by ministering to others with the right attitude and in the right way, we, in effect, are ministering to the Lord. 
as uh, Matthew 25, that passage tells us so. Okay, number five. Uh, in Colossians 4.17, how can Paul's instruction there apply to us? Yes, sir? If you're not doing the ministry God gave to you through your spiritual gift, then you are cheating everybody else in the church. Because God gave you the degree that he's given it to you, he may not have given that degree of it to anybody else. And you're cheating everybody else if you don't do your ministry by using your gift properly. Yes, sir. Remember, there are no Lone Ranger Christians in the Bible. They were all involved in a church. All the New Testament people were in a church. Yes, ma'am. And that's the next question, is it not? If we know that we have gifts and we do not use that gift or those gifts properly in service to the Lord, and we know we're supposed to, that's the definition of sin. We sin not only against God, but we sin against others in the church. Okay, let's go to number seven. How are believers equipped to minister? Based on First Peter passage. Spiritual gifts, which are divine enablements. God gifts us. He gives us the ability to use them. And I remember talking to a lady one time. We were talking about spiritual gifts, and she... She said, well, I don't have any. And I was too blunt with her, I think, because I said, well, then you need to be saved. Because <laughs> the Bible says every believer has at least one. <laughs> and she got upset with me for saying that. So, <clears throat> 
Gifts are given to us intentionally. We just don't wake up one day and all of a sudden we think, oh, I have this one now. No, we, we are given those at the moment of salvation and it's up to us to experiment a little bit and find out what our gift is. We do that when we find a ministry that is fun and enjoyable. We know, hey, we may be getting there. That's how we do it. Okay, number eight, the love chapter. How is this related to church membership? I've used this passage in weddings. Pastor Rick used it in a funeral service for Thelma the other day. But you know what the real context is for the love chapter? That's it. Spiritual gifts. If we do not practice and use our spiritual gifts with a foundation of love, then they're useless. They're not being done with the proper attitude, and the blessings will be subtracted from those. We have to have a foundation of love, and that's what that's, that's what that's telling us. Paul was rebuking the church, remember, because chapters 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians, he rebuked them over their use of spiritual gifts. That, that would be a good study sometime. Okay, the last one. The church at Corinth, which Paul had planted, later was being led astray by false teachers. In his first recorded letter to that church, he both admonished and encouraged that church in several areas of concern. How does he address a major ministry issue in this chapter? Chapter 12. Yes, sir. Okay. Anyone else have a comment on that? Pardon? <laughs> Spiritual gifts are given to church members for the common good of the entire church. Spiritual gifts are not for the person who receives them but they are for others as well as for the Lord. And we have to remember that. They're for God's glory and the edification of members in the church. Or it could be people outside the church. And the analogy that Paul used was the body parts. If one part of your body malfunction, it affects other parts of the body, doesn't it? In some way, some, some more drastic than others. So if we were going to define ministry, I think we could use this, this phrase here. 
using whatever God has given me to glorify Him and serve others. Using whatever God has given me to glorify Him and serve others. Now, you know, in this church, in River Bend, we have a lot of ministries. One of those is for you, or if you can't find one that's for you, then you can start one. All you got to do is come to the office and let us know what you'd like to start, and we'll help you if we believe that it's uh, biblical and of the Lord. But we have a little booklet here. It's got 62 ministries in it. I think one has been added to the church since this was printed. So we'll say we have 63 ministries. You should get one of these little booklets, find out if something in this booklet appeals to you. If so, then get involved in that. And if it's not fun, if it's not exciting, if you don't enjoy it, that's probably not your gifted area. When you find one that you can't wait to get involved in doing, that's probably your gifted area. And we in the office will be happy to try to help you find that spot and help you discover exactly what your gift is. So never ask, should I be serving in ministry in my church? Rather ask, how should I be serving in ministry in my church? Okay, well, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. We thank you, Father, for this time to study your word. We pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to use what we've learned to better serve each other, to serve uh, the world where the needs are, Lord, and ultimately to serve you. And Lord, may in all of this, may our chief desire and our chief aim be to glorify you, to see you magnified and exalted in all of it. And Lord, we know that when we do this and do it in the right way, that you build your church. And that's our desire. In Jesus' name, amen.